Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Mid-February, about to be a time of extreme quarterback movement. And today, we will be joined by the new general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, Terry Fontenot, a man who worked for the New Orleans Saints from 2003 through 2021 before the Falcons hired him as general manager. Quite a transition for Terry and his family to move now from New Orleans to Atlanta to take over the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons don't have a pressing need for a quarterback right now, but at some point, probably this offseason, they will be in the quarterback market as many teams across the league will be. And in this podcast, we'll talk about Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson and Sam Darnold and some of the other quarterback moves, as well as the Houston Texans releasing the great J.J. Watt with all the good that he's done in the Houston community and where he could wind up next. But before we get to Terry, first, I want to tell everyone about a brand new ESPN podcast. You know about First Take, but how about First Take, Her Take? New podcast is hosted by Charlie Arnold, Kimberly Martin, and Chanae Agumake. They discuss and debate the biggest sports stories and delve into topics about their lives and culture. Subscribe, rate, and review First Take, Her Take, as well as the Adam Schefter podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, Terry Fontenot. Terry? Hey, how's it going, man? We finally get to speak. We finally get to speak. Do you know how many times somebody attempted to put me in touch with you over the years? Are you serious? Terry, in all honesty, there are people that tried to connect me to you, that vouched for your character. And as you were going through the interview process, I think of the various people who I spoke to who were impressed with you. And I start most notably with the Denver Broncos, who didn't speak highly about you. They raved about you. They're like, Terry Fontenot is going to be a star. He's going to be a star. That means a lot. That means a lot because I really enjoyed that process with those guys. I really do believe you learn a lot about um, a, a team and an organization when you're going through that process. And I, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed uh, it, that whole group, um, top to bottom, and, and just that entire process. I, I interviewed with them twice and had several conversations uh, even away from it. And, and that's a really good group. So that, that means a lot for, for them to speak highly of me. Terry, what did you learn about the Atlanta Falcons during that process? Because as you say, you learn a lot about a group during this interview sessions. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I did learn a lot. And, and going into it, if you would have asked me, Adam, during midway through the season or a year ago, if I would ever uh, join the Atlanta Falcons, I would laugh. And I, I would think there's no chance that could ever happen. But, but, and, but it's funny because now I've got so many friends and family that live in Louisiana that, they're, that they want me to send them Falcons gear. And, and I did. I learned a lot about them. I learned a lot about that organization. And even going into it, I read author's book because somebody told me, they said, read author's book. And, and, and I did. And, and it meant a lot to me because it, it talked about, it, it's not just about, it is about winning. It is about winning the right way, but also there's a principled approach in, in everything he does in, in, in all his businesses. He has a principled approach and he wants to do things the right way with the right people. And once I, I read the book and I started doing my research and then once I got on the interview, he didn't disappoint. Um, at all um, th- th- throughout the entire process. And I saw, and, and you can tell right away, and Adam, you know that when you get around people and start communicating with them, yeah. um, it's a relationship business and, and you, you understand that. But, but I, I really did from, from author and um, Rich McKay 
and and everybody his sons were um were actually uh, Arthur Blank's sons were on the interview as well and and getting to meet them and and you can't fake that uh, they're really good people and um, it's a really good organization and they operate with principles so um, that really spoke to me um, somebody that they want to affect the community they want to do things the right way so that really spoke to me as a person so through through this process I learned a lot about the Falcons and I really wanted to be here now you mentioned of course. You could never imagine wearing Falcons gear, rooting for the Falcons, cheering for the Falcons, working for the Falcons. What is that like for you and for all the people in Lake Charles, Louisiana, to now have to do? I mean, I appreciate that, Lake Charles, Louisiana, man. You do your you do your work, but it, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm telling you because you know, growing up and um, right there and, and and being in Louisiana, and it's always been black and gold. It's always been black and gold for my family and and. So, so it's kind of like my dad. My dad's been a Saints fan. My, my dad's close to 80 years old, and he's been a Saints fan for a long time. But it's just crazy how quick you can make that switch, Adam. I, I mean, right away, already, it just seems normal to me. Like, And when you get so ingrained in the process, and right now I'm just laser-focused on – we just met on, on free agency with the coaches this morning. And last week we are doing a lot of uh, self-scout, a lot of analysis on, on our team. and. And right now, our, our, our college guys are, are going through meetings, and I'm going to be able to jump in those meetings with them um, tomorrow, and we'll be meeting over the next week and a half. And and so when you're so embraced in the process, you just put your head down and you keep working, and, and you're wearing different colors. And so it, it's one of those things where I, I, I would have never thought, again, I would have never thought if you had asked me a month ago, but, but now it just seems normal. It really does. It seems normal it, with all your family and friends. And sometimes people say, uh, there's been so many people that want to be here, um, whether people want to work in the building or, or um, there's a lot of Louisiana Falcons fans. I really believe that. But once you get into it, you just put your head down and you work. And it's, it's just um, it, it seems normal to me. Has the adjustment been as easy for your family, Terry? That's the hardest part. That really is. So how about this? So my this was last Wednesday. And so my family is just they're still in New Orleans and they're going to finish school. So my wife is coming back and forth and looking at houses, but they're not going to come into the summer. So on Wednesday, my son is nine and, and, and I'm on the phone with Caden that night. And he says, Hey dad, when are you coming home? And, and I felt horrible. And I said, I said, buddy, I'm not coming home. You're coming here, man. So, so the <laughs> wow. next day, so I have, I have three daughters. London's my oldest. She's 11. Landry's four. And then Lennox, uh, our little baby, she's nine months. So my wife texted me on last Thursday and she said, Terry, you should call. You should FaceTime your daughter right now because Landry, my four year old, is on the ground, is on the floor playing with Lenny, the baby. And she just told her we're never going to see dad again. Wow. <laughs> so I just, it just crushed me. It just hurt my heart. So what I did is uh, on Saturday, I, I actually I, I just flew home at like five or six o'clock and. And I was home for less than 20, 24 hours. I flew home and took that direct flight and I got home and I had dinner um, with the kids and we had movie night and I got up and had brunch with them and I, and I came back to Atlanta. So just to spend a little bit of time with them, because that has been the hardest part, being away from them a little bit more. And but they get it and they're all in and they can't wait to come. Fake information, Terry. Boy, we can't have that, especially amongst family members. That's not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> when did you first want to become a general manager, Terry? Or when did you think that that was actually realistic? Yeah, I don't think there was ever a moment 
honestly, in my life where I, I really just said I want to be a general manager. I don't think that there was that moment in my life. I didn't even know. So when I started working at 22 years old, when I started working for the Saints, I started in marketing and I just started learning about in working in marketing. I started working uh, with the with the college scouts and met the pro scouts, and I just thought it was interesting what they did. And so I started going on the road with them and started um, doing things late at night. And, and I just had a passion for it. It was just really natural for me. So at that time, I knew I wanted to work in personnel. And you, you really, once you start doing it, and I think you can probably attest that, like, when you're passionate and, yeah. and like, Adam, you love what you do. And so you just do that and, and you don't always think of the next step. You just, you have passion and you love what you do. And that started for me um, 18 years ago, just having passion for something and really loving it and appreciating it and being in that moment. And, and then, and that's really, like I got emotional on uh, during my press conference when I, when I kind of said it out loud and when I said, Hey, 18 years ago, I, um I got this opportunity. And I think that's the first moment where I really appreciated the fact that I was becoming a general manager because in my mind, I just have passion for what I do it, and I like what I do, and and I you just it's always the next thing. So when you become um, okay, now you become a pro scout, now you become a pro director, and now you become a um, a VP, and then you become the assistant GM, and you don't even think about it. You just think about those next steps. Even when I, I signed the contract with the Falcons, I, I did it. I was sitting in my truck in the parking lot of my house, and and I did it on DocuSign, and it was about ten thirty at night on uh on the 18th um of of, of last month and I, I didn't even think twice i just did it and right right at that moment i'm not thinking about becoming a gm i'm thinking about all the things that need to be accomplished in short order and so, and so i'm thinking about the staff and i'm thinking about um all the processes and the adjustments we need to make and i'm thinking about the roster and how we're going to do this and so your mind goes to that and it goes to what you need to do and i think through my career, that's what my mindset has been. Okay, whatever role I'm in, whatever moment I'm in, what do I need to do to be as successful in this moment? So um, I, I can't say there is one moment where I just said I want to be a general manager or um, I, I just take advantage of the opportunities I've been blessed with and um, and all the wonderful people that I've uh, been in my path. I take advantage of all those relationships and, and, the, um, and the opportunities and just do the very best you can. I think that's important, right? Like I know when I was very young, just getting to the business, I had great goals and was very ambitious. And I think the sooner you get away from trying to aspire to get to somewhere and start focusing on the job at hand and just doing a good job every day and working hard and not thinking about where it may go, I think you're better off then, right? If that makes any sense to you. You're absolutely right. And and, and that's something that, Adam, that you always have to preach that. Uh, to the entire staff, because everyone in these roles, whether we're talking about uh, coaches or scouts or, or people on the business side, you're always hungry and you're always looking for the next thing. But you, you just have to do your best to focus on that job you're in. You, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So you can't compartmentalize success. You can't say, I'm going to be a better coordinator than I was a position coach or, hey, I'm going to be a better um, director in scouting than I was a, a scouting assistant. Um, it doesn't work like that. Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. So you have to focus on that moment you're in and focus on um, what you're doing in that moment. And then success will naturally come from that. I like that. How you do anything is how you do everything. I like that. But there was no momentary where you just allowed yourself to celebrate and think, I've become an NFL general manager. 
it was in my press conference. And so I'm sitting down picture. I'm, um, I'm sitting down and it's an office and I'm on, it's on Microsoft teams. So I'm, I'm facing the, the monitor. And then I got my kids on the <laughs> other side and, and, and my wife and my daughters are all sitting on the couch and my son, Caden, he's nine. And so he's sitting directly across from me mm-hmm. and my wife has a picture of him. She took a picture and he was just looking at me and, and it's the coolest picture in the world. And I'm going to put it up in my office because it's kind of cool because in that moment, I can see how proud he is of me. When I was nine years old, the NFL was so far from me. I, I didn't, but him at nine years old, he's sitting there looking at me and he says, I want to be a general manager. And that's what he wants to do. And he's looking at me in that moment. And that's, that's what, that's what got me emotional because again, I have I, been just, as opposed to appreciating the moment, I had been just looking at what needs to be done. But then sitting down there right there and seeing my son look at me and seeing my daughters, well, seeing them look at me and my wife and and just and saying it out loud. You know how it is. Sometimes when you say something out loud, it, it really makes it it makes it true to you. So when I said it out loud in that moment and when I saw my son sitting across from me, I think that's really literally the first the first time where I really appreciated the fact that, man, I'm, I, I, I've really become a. A general manager, and, and then you start thinking about um, all the again, all the opportunities you're blessed with, and then all the people, you, you know, from from my my parents, my siblings, my wife, my kids, all, all the coaches, all the way from from pee wee soccer through high school, and um, you know, all the coaches and scouts and players, and and, and just all the people that that have really um, added to who you are as a person. So many influential people through your path that that have really made you are as a man, and so I think in that moment. I just kind of appreciated. Um, the, the, I don't again. I don't see it as an accomplishment. I see it as an opportunity. But I appreciated the opportunity um, in that moment. But then very quickly, Adam, you go right back to okay. We got a lot of work to do. Let's right. get to work. Right. Well, that's how it is, right? You you've got to focus on the job at hand. But it's nice that you got to have that brief moment to appreciate it and see your son looking at you and you setting an example. For him and your three daughters, that's awesome. I love that. And you mentioned all those people who had an influence on you. And I think back on my career, and there are certain people that are instrumental in helping me to become a reporter. And I think back to those moments and those people and those times, and I would not be where I am today without them. Who are a couple of people that really made a difference in you being where you are today, Terry? Yeah. uh, So it it starts with my parents, like my father, um, you know, my father worked at the same uh, power plant for over like almost 60 years. And um, another emotional moment is when um, when I was interviewing with the Detroit Lions and and the Ford family and I'm telling them, hey, hey, my dad, um, it it was a Firestone power plant, a rubber plant in Lake Charles, Louisiana or Sulphur, Louisiana, actually. And I'm telling him he worked there for over 50 years and he drove the same Ford. Um, it was an old truck and, and he drove it until it couldn't run anymore. And, and I got emotional in that moment to know what my dad came from. And and for me to be sitting down and have an opportunity to be an NFL general manager. But, but my father, his, his work ethic, um, he, he's the most optimistic person I've ever met in my life. Um, he, he just has a way of, uh, you know, one of my favorite books is uh, Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way. and that's how my dad lives. He's always, it's about your perception and he's always going to spin it and make it positive. And, and he's going to, th- he's going to think the best of, of everyone in every situation, every circumstance. But 
um, my work ethic, um, the optimism, the strong faith he has. Um, you know, there's, I, I still remember like it was yesterday. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm nine years old and, and I'm in fourth grade and my older brother was in sixth grade. He was trying out for the football team at Oak Park Middle. And so me and my dad are watching, um, watching these tryouts and it's at the end of practice and these guys are running wind sprints and they're running so many sprints. This is a different day now. This, this was in the, this was in the mid eighties, right? So, so, uh, they're, they're running the, the hell out of these guys. And there's some kids that just start walking off the field. And my dad told me, he said, Terry, God bless everyone with a certain level of talent, a certain level of intelligence. Like there's certain, uh, physical traits, physical attributes that God just gave you, but there's something that's immeasurable and that's your heart. And in these moments, when these guys are out there running, like it has nothing to do with speed or, or, it's just about your heart and who you are. And, and so no, no one can ever measure your heart. And that's up to you. It's up to you how you work. And in that moment, I always, I always, I took it, um, in everything I did. And I knew that, Hey, regardless of, um, I'm always going to be the hardest worker. No one's ever going to outwork me. No one's ever going to have more passion about what they do than me. In that moment at nine years old, I, I can, I can literally put myself at Old Park Middle on the field. And I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, so, so my dad has had a big, still does have a big impact on my life. Um, my mother, uh, she, she again has a very strong faith and she's a, she's one of the most, um, she's a, she's an extreme extrovert, but she can communicate with anybody. Like she does a, one of the ministries is with the homeless that she does at her church. And, and when you just see her interacting, interacting with people that she just met, that she, different races, different religions, different she can inter- interact with anybody and she can connect and, and, and find common grounds with anybody in the world. And so just the way she builds relationships with people, because I believe that's one of the most important things in leadership is building those relationships. And I got that from my mother. Um, you know, my wife is the most, um, man, she's the most honest person I've ever met in my life. She's just honest. She's direct. And, and she keeps me grounded um, because I can discuss and talk about anything with her. And when you get in some of these seats, you don't always have people that are honest with you. That's one, been one of the harder parts about the job. But my wife um, is I've never met someone that's so honest. And um, and, and so it's been special. But, man, high school coaches, uh, Mike John, Pat Victor, they, they really taught me about uh, about discipline and, and, and what true leadership was. Um, and, and I fast forward to the Saints and, and Mickey Loomis, um, ultimate servant leader. And, and that's what he is. He's a servant leader. Um, he's got rare humility and I learned so much of that from him. Um, Sean Payton, man, man his attention to detail in, in, in every aspect of, of everything, the, the attention to detail and just that, just winning at all costs. Uh, like regardless of, he, he never stops thinking about winning. It, it, it always, it's always going in his mind. So, um, so, so just to name a few, I know, I know I can't name every single person, but those are some people that uh, I feel like have really shaped me as a person. Well, Terry, think about that. You talk about your dad making that mark on you when you were nine years old and you were making that mark on Caden when he's nine years old. <laughs> that's awesome, Adam. I, I never thought about that, man. That's, that's really cool, man. Right. I mean, that that's, that's what we're talking <laughs> about. And then the no other doubt. thing that's amazing about that is that your dad worked at a plant, a Ford plant for 60 years and here were the Fords interviewing you for one of the yes. top positions on the Detroit Lions, one of the top positions in the NFL. Think about how much has changed and yes. 
how far you've come and really society's come to be in that spot where the Fords may want to hire you to be the general manager of the Detroit Lions, a position you ultimately get with the Atlanta Falcons. Do you think about that at all, Terry? Yeah, it, it, and, and that's another one of those things that, you know, sometimes when you say things out loud, and that's what, when I said that on that call, to, I, I don't think they kind of looked at me and they kind of paused and they said, are you serious? Is this real? Are, are you telling the truth? And I hadn't even thought about it, to be honest, which I was just, they just asked me about my family and I just started talking about my dad and talking about my parents. And, and at that point it, it kind of hit me and, and that does mean a lot. And, and that's why, um, that's why when I say I look at this as an, as an opportunity, um, not an accomplishment because it is an opportunity, but, um, that, that's the challenge because I, I have to, I have to make sure for, for all the people behind me, whether it's my son or whether it's a lot of my peers and a lot of, guys that I work with, I have to make sure I do handle this the right way um, it's because I have to make sure I look at it as an opportunity and make sure I do the right thing so um, everyone else can have the opportunities as well. You will. You know why? Because you've got your dad's spirit and optimism and you've got your mom's knack for dealing with people. And because of that, I'm, you're going to succeed here. You're going to succeed there. So when we talk about the football side of things, then Terry, when people see Terry Fontenot, Falcons GM, what should they know about your approach to building a team and managing a team? Because that general manager job is a lot more than just building a team. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot more than building a team, and I, I think it starts with it's about the right people, and and it's, it all it all starts with relationships. But it's not just it, it's not just having the right people um, in the locker room in terms of the players. Um, it's, it's not just about having the right coaches. It's, it's the entire organization. It, it, it's an organizational philosophy. Everything we have to do ha- has to be focused on winning um, the, and winning the right way. Again, how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's about bringing the right people um, in the entire building and, and, and building it the right way. And that's why um, the first time, the most important thing is that partnership, because as a general manager, I'm, it, it's, it's inclusive. Right. Like we're a team. Like whenever we're talking about we're meeting with the college scouts about the draft. This isn't Terry's draft. It's not Arthur Smith's draft. It's our draft. Right. It's going to be our draft and we're going to do it together. This is going to be our team. So we're going to be totally inclusive in everything we do. And and that's why as soon as I met Arthur Smith, we were speaking the same language and we had the same philosophies. And I knew it was going to be a great partnership. Um, and, and, and once I start, once we start meeting with the coaches and meeting with the scouts, um, that's what we're letting everyone know, like, this is going to be an inclusive process. Everyone's going to be involved. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 
Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. You bring up Arthur Smith. Did you meet him before you became the general manager of the Falcons? Did you know him at all? I did. So, and I think this is important for if you work in personnel, if you're a scout, whether you're a college scout or a pro scout, you just like you evaluate players, you need to always be evaluating coaches. And, and every scout, every personnel guy, they should have a short list and, and they should understand that um, they should really try to learn about coaches and, and learn what they're doing. Like that's important because that's important in your development. And so, um, so as I'm, and, and, and look, when I started hearing that um, I was going to have the opportunity to interview for a job, then that just got enhanced more. And, and, and with me, with the Saints, we have so many really good coaching candidates. The Saints did in the building. Um, and, and obviously, Dan Campbell got the job in Detroit. and He took Aaron Glenn with him. And Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach. And you got Dennis Allen still there and Pete Carmichael. Like, there are really good coaches in that building. But obviously, I'm going to challenge myself to go outside and look at other coaches. So I, I started building some relationships and communicating with some coaches. And, and as soon as I met Arthur, um, and, and he wasn't the only one. I met some really good guys. But as soon as I met Arthur, we hit it off. And um, right away, he's, he's really smart. He's obviously a successful play caller. He's organized. He's detailed. He's an excellent communicator. And, and you can't fake that. You can tell right away um, the way someone communicates. Um, and then as you start doing research and, and casting a wide net and finding out information, um, he's an excellent communicator. He's, he's just very clear and concise with his plan, with his vision. And it's not just about having a vision for the team and the organization, but you have to be able to articulate it. And, and he, was, he did that um, really well. And um, I, I knew right away he was going to be able to put together the right staff because he has a humility about himself. And I knew he was going to bring in people that were really strong. And he's done that with Dean Pease, Dave Ragone, Marquise Williams, um, a ton of really good assistant coaches. Um, the, the thing that above all that that really sticks out is he is an honest, authentic person. He's comfortable in his own skin. And so when you talk about uh, th that he's got humility, so he's always looking to learn. So he's at a certain point in his life right now, but he's always looking to learn. So he's going to have great mentors, which he does. Um, he's an avid reader. And he's always, and, and that's a common ground for us because I'm an avid reader. And so right away we start talking about different books that we both read and that we really enjoyed. And, um, and he's already bought me books and I'm getting books for him. So he's going to always continue. He's inquisitive in that way. So he's going to always continue to get better. So I, when I met him, I knew that, okay, he was going to be a special coach, but I felt like he was also a person, even if it was outside of coaching, um, he's going to make me better and enhance me as a person because of who he is. And, um, and, and now in this role with him, I know he's going to make me better and I'm going to do my best to make him better. Had you met him before he became the head coach or you became the GM? Had you ever met in person? So we had talked a lot on the phone by the time we got here. But the first time we met in person was, uh, I guess now it was a couple weeks ago when wow. we had both taken the job. And wow. we had talked. We had talked a lot. But um, on the phone, we had talked a lot on the phone and we had all did our own research. So in this business, you have overlap. There are so many overlaps. So yeah. um, I knew I knew personnel guys and coaches and I know a lot of people that have worked with him, and I've done a lot of homework on him, just like he had done on me. So I felt like I knew him really well by the time I met him. But no, the first time we actually met is is when they set us up to meet at the stadium, and um, we walked out on the field, and 
shook hands or dapped each other up on camera. That was the first time we met. It was like well, The Bachelor. And what was that like meeting your new head coach and him meeting the GM for the first time together? <laughs> it, it, it was like I said, it was interesting because they had they had us mic'd up and they had all kind of cameras around. So I meet them and and we were talking, but there was a moment where it was like, okay, when are the mics going to go off so we can really talk? <laughs> but um, yeah. but it was uh, it, it was good and, and it was interesting. And, and like I said, I really felt like I knew him so well because we had done so much work on each other and, um, and, and we had done so much research. And at that point we had talked on the phone so much. So once we met, it, it was exactly what we expected. And I, I think we hit it off. Terry, before I let you go, I'm just curious. Last week you went to Trevor Lawrence's pro day. You have the fourth overall pick. What is the thinking behind going to a pro day for Trevor Lawrence's throwing session when you're at four Jacksonville's at one, and everybody's expecting Jacksonville to go with that player at one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, we're an hour and a half, I think it took us from Flowery Branch. It took us about an hour and a half to go there. So um, that's a place that it's right around the corner. So those relationships are going to be important. Um, they obviously have a lot of good places, uh, players there. And, and we want to take that advantage, the advantage to get there, get, get on campus, talk to Dabble, talk to the people there. And we want to see um, to, to, to see Trevor throw up close and see it because Look, our plan is to go see um, go see a lot of workouts and 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 get to compare and contrast guys, and um, so it's so close, and you don't want to and, and you think about it if um, you know you never want to pass up that opportunity to see um, a player like that uh, throw in person because who knows what's going to happen four or five years from now. So it's just taking that opportunity to go and see him, and um, and and we're going to go we're, we're going to hit as many of these workouts as we can and and see a lot of players. And uh, it's valuable to have that fourth pick because there's so there's going to be a lot of good players there in every position. And and look, there, there's always a, ch a chance to to move back and get more picks. So it's um it's really valuable to have that. Uh, but seeing that workout was just um was just thinking big picture and 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 not not wasting an opportunity when it's it's just it's just an hour and a half away. Well, he is from Cartersville, Georgia, right? He is from that area, so we have that going on. And I think one of the more interesting subplots of this entire draft is that you're sitting there at four. Carolina, in your division, is sitting there at eight. New Orleans, we think, is losing Drew Brees, as you would know. And Tom Brady, though he looks like he might play for the next decade or so, may not play much more than another year or two. Uh, so that division, from a quarterback standpoint, is wide open. And you are ahead of Carolina in the draft, which I find fascinating because they made calls on Matthew Stafford and were interested there. And you think that they're going to make some sort of bold move at quarterback. And your team at some point in time is going to have to find a replacement for Matt Ryan. So there's all this quarterback jockeying going on in the NFC South, which, again, you've been in the division. You know the division well. And you could look into the future and know how uncertain that position is in that division. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's it, um, it, it, it's really interesting. And not just in our division, Adam. I mean, what's going on at quarterback really around the league? I mean, I can't – it's an un, it's been an uncommon offseason already, um, just with everything at the position. And I know it's different in every building. And you can go in any building, and, and there's different circumstances. And uh, But, um, but no, it, it's interesting, I would say, not only in our division – but in um, but really throughout the league, uh, what's going on at the quarterback position?
yeah, it's not going to be much time to rest or sleep this offseason. Uh, my boss texted me this morning. Somebody posted a tweet saying they were going to the beach for a couple of weeks. He's like, when are you doing this? And I said, after the draft. <laughs> isn't, isn't this fun for you, though, Adam? I mean, this is like, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I know it's, it's more work for you, but this has to be pretty exciting for you. Well, you know what, Terry? I'll say this to you. I mean, you love it and you dread it. It's a blessing and it's a burden. And you love chasing it, but you're just waiting on things and anxious about things. And I don't know. You love playing the games. You love being involved in the games. But it doesn't mean that it's just a joyride leading up to it. Does that make sense? It, it makes total sense. It, it, it makes total sense. And, and usually, again, it's so uncommon. Usually you can you, – you know what to expect. And But um. But I think in this year, there, there, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of things that happen that, that no one expects. Um, but we oh, know yeah. the great Adam Sheff knows what's really going on. <laughs> well, the great Terry Fontenot <laughs> is here to make his mark in what's going on. And, I, and I'm glad to finally get you on the podcast. And I'm glad that the listeners today could get an idea of the man that you are and the GM that you will be for the Atlanta Falcons. And it was an honor to finally get to speak with you today. And I really do appreciate it, Terry. Man, the honor and the pleasure is all mine, Adam. I, I really appreciate you and look forward to talking to you later, man. Maybe we'll talk after the after the draft and, and we'll be in a completely different world. I, I, I got bad news for you, Terry. You're going to speak to me before the draft. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to send you a book in the interim. I got a book to send you. I'm going to get your address from offline. I got a book to send you. But I heard it was awesome. So, so, so I look forward to reading it. Thank you, my friend. I, I want to. I want an autographed copy. Oh, uh, it, it, how done. About, how about for me? How about for me and and Arthur Smith, an autographed copy? How about that? Oh, that's easy. Oh, that that I'm, I'm going to send to both you guys, and they'll be coming your way. That that's the least I can do. Believe me. That sounds awful. How impressive is Terry Fontenot? You can tell right away he just gets it. I think he's going to be a huge success for the Atlanta Falcons. That's a guy who understands personnel, and more important understands people. And he brought up a point at the end that I thought was very interesting. He talked about the offseason and how busy it is and how unprecedented these next weeks will be. And it reminds me, for years, there are always people who ask me, what do you do in the offseason? And I've always explained to people that the offseason is the season. The offseason is my regular season. The offseason is when all these moves happen. And this past week was a quiet week, a quiet week in the NFL. And all that happened this past week was the Texans releasing J.J. Watt, one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in their franchise's history, with all he's done on the field and off the field. You know, he raised over $41 million after Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. For all the people in need down there, he's distributed meals to underprivileged people. The amount of good that he's done in that community is off the charts. And we all know that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame player. And now J.J. Watt's on the market, and I think he'd like to win. And I know people would say, well, wouldn't it make sense for him to go play in Pittsburgh? And it would. That'd be unbelievable to have him go play with both of his brothers there. The only issue there is that the Steelers are strapped against the cap, the cap's going down. And so as romantic as it is to have him play there, it's not practical. 
It just doesn't make sense. Now, it would be great to have him go back to Green Bay where he played college football, and that would make a lot of sense. But the team that really makes the most sense would be the Buffalo Bills, a team on the cusp of a championship, a team in need of pass rush. Couldn't you see J.J. Watt, blue-collar guy in blue-collar Buffalo, playing for the Bills and Bills mocked? I could see that. That would make some sense to me. But he deserves to finish with a winner because he is a winner. All right, another team in that division, the Jacksonville Jaguars, fired their performance coach, Chris Doyle, about a day after they hired him. Now, for those who didn't remember, Chris Doyle was involved in a controversy at Iowa where basically he was let go after numerous allegations of racist remarks and belittling players. And the amazing thing is, after he got hired, I can't tell you how many people across the league reached out to me and said, what is Jacksonville doing? Here's an example of a text that came in from one NFL person. It's scary how out of touch with the NFL Urban Meyer is. Chris Doyle is one of the biggest holes I've ever run across. Further, he's not that good. The players will tune him out immediately. Another general manager reaches out and says, do you realize how important it is to have somebody in that position that players will respond to rather than spurn? Jacksonville wants people to show up for its offseason program and players are not going to want to be there for that guy. And when the Jaguars hired him, my first thought was, is Chris Doyle that much better than the next best performance strength coach like you had to have him? Couldn't hire anybody else for that job? He's that good? And the Jaguars quickly learned with the Fritz Pollard Alliance speaking out against the hire and others criticizing the hire that it was not a good decision. And both sides went the way that they should have with them saying that he had resigned from his position. But I think everybody could look at it and know that Chris Doyle probably was let go from his position. I'm sure they reached some sort of financial settlement, settlement to let him go away. And the situation in the end worked out where he is not taking over as many people believe he shouldn't have been taking over. The other issue we're watching this week is Carson Wentz. And I know that on Super Bowl Sunday, Chris Mortensen and I reported that a trade was expected and it could happen as early as this week, meaning last week. It didn't happen last week. I still think uh, it could happen in the next week or two without question. I still think Carson Wentz will be traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. We've heard about the Bears. We've heard about the Colts. I think the Colts make the most sense for him. They fit him best and he fits them best. But the Bears obviously have had some interest, as have other teams. And we'll see how that shakes out. And I think once Carson Wentz gets traded, I think at that point in time, some of the other quarterbacks now come into focus. We know the New York Jets have taken calls on Sam Darnold. And as I've pointed out, like if they're taking calls and listening on calls, doesn't that tell you that they're more apt to move him than not? And so that will be one of the next quarterbacks that we look to once Carson Wentz is traded out of Philadelphia. All right, I want to thank our guest this week, the Falcons general manager, Terry Fontenot. Really enjoyed talking to him. Very impressive guy. I see why the Falcons hired him. And I go back to what I told him at the beginning. 
When I spoke to the Denver Broncos about their hire of George Payton as their general manager, they said, Adam, the one guy you also have to pay attention to here is Terry Fontenot. He was incredibly impressive. And they were right. Now I understand exactly what the Denver Broncos were talking about and what Arthur Blank saw in Terry Fontenot when he hired him away from the New Orleans Saints. Also want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this podcast together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we continue spinning on the quarterback carousel and get more information and insight from our latest guests. Thanks for listening this week. Be well and stay safe.